Welcome back to the University of Illinois Press podcast. I am your host, Elizabeth Hess. I am joined today by Dr. Thomas Emerson, Illinois' first state archaeologist and the now retired founding director of the Illinois State Archaeological Survey. He is an emeritus professor with the Department of Anthropology, as well as the editor of the Mid-Continental Journal of Archaeology at the University of Illinois Press. Dr. Emerson, thank you for joining me today. I appreciate the chance to be here. Before we get into some of the details about your vision for the journal, tell me a little bit about yourself. What is your background in the field of archaeology? I'm a North American archaeologist specializing in the cultures of the Eastern Woodlands. I got there kind of in a serendipitous way. I actually started out with BAs in political science and sociology and only later discovered archaeology in 1971 after I got back from Vietnam. Since that time, I've primarily worked in Illinois with some side trips to Norway, the northeastern U.S., and the Great Plains. In terms of my work in Illinois, in 1984, I became the chief archaeologist for the Illinois Historic Preservation Agency. And then in 1994, I moved to the University of Illinois. Most of my work has really been around the large site of Cahokia down by East St. Louis. Tell me about your experience in publishing. When did you begin editing this journal? Well, I assumed this role of editor in uh, 2012, but I have to admit that I've always been fascinated with books and publishing and even started a mail-order book service when I was in graduate school. I've been involved in the editing or writing of 21 books and about 160 book chapters or articles and had the fun of creating nine publication series for three different institutions, as well as for a dozen years as the editor of the state journal, Illinois Archaeology. So I love books. <laughs> as the editor of the Mid-Continental Journal of Archaeology, what are things you envision changing or adding to the journal? Archaeology is really a geographically bounded and regionally focused discipline. And the MCJA holds a very prominent place among American regional journals covering the eastern woodlands. That's the U.S. east of the Mississippi River. Our immediate goals in these somewhat troubling times involves maintaining that stature while encouraging our contributors to bring both data-rich research framed in cutting-edge technology as well as forward-looking theoretical frameworks to the journal. Do you envision changing it at all, or are there sections that you were hoping to add? Right now, we are published three times a year. In the past, it came out four times a year. So we'd like to get back up to that volume, I think. It's been a strange experience being an editor during the pandemic. Uh, At one level, I thought, everybody's sitting at home. What do they have to do except write articles for me? Unfortunately, that didn't seem to be true. I don't know what they were doing, but submissions actually have decreased instead of increased. So we have to go reach out to our contributors and get them back in shape. How has the field of archaeology changed since you began teaching? In the 1970s, the focus was very much on the hard sciences and the role of the environment really in creating human cultures. And in the last decade or so, We've seen that environmental focus continue, but now it's really shifted to concerns with how human actions and climate change have affected really the whole world. The other thing that we've seen a real rise in is this this aspect of social justice and cultural sensitivity. 
has really kind of grabbed archaeological headlines lately. So both theoretically and methodologically, really, the, the discipline's really become a much more diverse place. It makes it both more exciting and a little bit more challenging. And so what we're really doing, again, is we're trying to encourage our authors to really capture some of these issues and their contributions. I know that you're new as editor, but what prompted the journal to partner with the University of Illinois Press? Do you know that history? Yes, I do. (laughs) I have been on the board of the Midwest Archaeological Conference for a long time, and I have almost a decade as editor. So in that decade, the journal publishing partner has changed three separate times, each time becoming more and more remote as one company bought up another company. The last publisher that we dealt with was located in the U.K., with the production process, of course, occurring in several Asian countries. And even though we're in an age of digital coordination, it became increasingly difficult to really pull all of this together in a, in a timely manner, let's say. So at, at that point, I really approached the University of Illinois Press to explore the potential partnership with the journal's parent organization, which is actually the Midwest Archaeological Conference. And as they kind of say, the rest is history. What the press offered us that I appreciated was long-term stability and local control over production, printing, and distribution. And of course, it didn't hurt that we had got a better financial arrangement. Their use of the open journals editorial system was, was a ray of sunshine for the editorial staff here at MCGA. We really like this open source system. I'm glad you brought up the conference. The purpose of the Midwest Archaeological Conference is to, quote, promote and stimulate interest in the archaeology of the Midwestern United States and neighboring areas, and to publish and encourage publication, among other things. What are you looking for when potential authors submit papers? As I mentioned earlier, most archaeological research is really regional in scope and really geographically centered. And again, we serve the mid-continent region with a goal for providing a venue for kind of the latest cutting-edge research. And while we're always seeking data-rich contributions, we're also pushing our contributors to operate on, let's say, the theoretical frontier to explore some of our regional data in theoretically innovative ways. That approach really kind of allows us to best serve our members and And we'd like to challenge them to think of their own research in such broader theoretical context. Tell me about your recent annual meeting for the Midwest Archaeological Conference. This was the first in-person meeting during this ongoing pandemic. And so the board was curious what kind of response we were actually going to get from our membership. It was held at Michigan State University in East Lansing probably with about 200 attendees. And I'll have to say, I get what I can only describe as a joyous event <laughs> from the standpoint of the members. Uh, simply this ability to socialize and network after a long period of isolation was, I think, appreciated by all, despite the fact that we all walked around looking like bandits with masks on. It was fun, and I think everybody enjoyed themselves. Were you able to talk to a lot of potential authors and solicit some potential articles? I will have to admit that now 
kind of takes the fun out of going to a conference when you're an editor because you spend all your time running from place to place, tracking down those people that look like they're talking about interesting things so you can be the first to tell them like, hey, remember MCJA, we're right here. <laughs> so when you leave this conference, start writing. And then it also gives me a sense of where the discipline is going in terms of the Midwest and mid-continent. So, uh, yeah, conferences are very useful for me as really kind of a working experience, I'll, get, I'll say. Has your attitude or passion about the subject matter changed or lessened since you went from actively being a professor to now emeritus status? No. <laughs> in one sense, it has. Now I no longer have to deal with personnel issues. I no longer have to deal with finances, which is a major concern when you're the director of a large organization. So what I find out is my work week went from seven days a week to, I think, eight or nine now. It's fun, and it's it's fun to be able to explore some issues that before I really couldn't get into because of time. So, yeah, I've got a project going right now, basically, on writing a book on the archaeology of Illinois that I never could have done while I was actually actively working for a living. Would you say there is one topic relating to archaeology that is the most interesting to you, or that if you were a new author and you were submitting a paper, what it would be about? Deals with this issue of kind of the public misperceptions of Native American culture. I have worked primarily at Cahokia, or as we call it now, Greater Cahokia, which is a World Heritage Site down by St. Louis. And, you know, in the last probably 10 years, we've done major excavations there and essentially pretty much demonstrate, I think, that, you know, Cahokia is a city in terms of any kind of standards you use around the world. So I think that whole rethinking and redirection of, like, you know, it's not about teepees and bows and arrows and bison hunting. We have a genuine primary city developing here in the in the mid-continent. Very convenient for us. As you will see, that that's a direction that more people need to focus on. Now, of course, not everybody has a Cahokia. But uh, still, I think this, this rethinking and reconceptualizing what Native American societies actually were, should be a major focus for most archaeologists, I think. Let's talk about the latest issue of the Mid-Continental Journal of Archaeology. Volume 46 is coming up. What topics do the articles address, and can you tell me about the contributors? We're really lucky in this, I think, as we go forward, that our contributors are really coming along with the major trends we see now in archaeology. And some of the most interesting to me and, and emergent areas of research are those that employ archaeometric techniques and methodology. And that's essentially taking hard science and looking at issues. A lot of them have to do with the composition of the materials that we cover. So for instance, William Billick, who's with the Smithsonian Institution, conducted a chemical analysis of glass beads from an early American village in Illinois demonstrating through the chemical composition that that site was occupied in the early 1600s. What makes this so important is that's a time period we don't know very much about. And so, in fact, putting his information with the other things we knew 
we've been able to actually link that site to one of the modern descendant tribes, essentially the Ho-Chunk in Wisconsin, something that we've, we've never been very successful with before. Penny Drucker with the New York State Museum has an interesting paper that has to do with prehistoric exchange patterns. She carried out a, a mineralogical analysis of some exotic pipe forms that they find in the Ohio River Valley and was able to actually demonstrate that those pipes, contrary to what people thought before, were actually made of a local stone, not an imported stone. And a lot of the new work, in fact, has looked at this issue of prehistoric exchange patterns. And what we find is in the past, archaeologists were probably not doing enough hard science in, in nailing down what we understood about these materials. So uh, we had a tendency to go, oh, look at it, it's red. It must be from Minnesota. That's where catlinite comes from. And Unfortunately, when we look, we find out generally, no, it's, it's not true. So a lot of the work has been really kind of turning what we thought in the past upside down. And that's fun. I always find those kind of projects to be exciting and, and just entertaining to do. And we have an article by Anna Waterman from uh, Mount Mercy University. And she's, she's looking at actually stable isotope data from late pre-contact native groups in Iowa, what she was attempting to get at was characterize their diet. And also with isotopes, you can tell if people move from one area to another. So she was trying to understand that. And it turned out that in effect, again, the evidence suggests that they're very localized rather than actually doing large scale mobility. That's kind of something that we suspected, but really had no evidence about. So all of these articles really employ new research technologies that are just coming into widespread use. These are all by authors who are well-established in their field. So, you know, I'm pleased that it speaks well of the MCGA's role as a prominent regional venue that they chose to highlight their innovative research in our journal. I appreciate that. If somebody would like to submit an article, what is the best way to get in touch with you or the journal? I hope you don't want the URL, but <laughs> if they go online and search for Mid-Continental Journal of Archaeology, that should bring up the journal's uh, URL and there are complete instructions there. And I would encourage them to follow up. Thank you for listening to the University of Illinois Press podcast. The latest issue of the Mid-Continental Journal of Archaeology is available on the University of Illinois Press website. Dr. Thomas Emerson, welcome and thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity.